Turn your Bibles, if you would. We're going to be starting off in the Gospel of Math or Gospel of Mark, chapter fifteen. Gospel of Mark, chapter fifteen. You know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, putting all things together to to make a real big dinner for the family, and and got everything together, prepped it up, and and started cooking it, and it was going to be a huge surprise until the fireman ruined it. I hate when that happens. So this morning, I want to talk about a, a serious subject. And when we talk about hurt, to be hurt by someone is universal. Amen? As we've all been hurt, we all bear the scars of that hurt, and many of which run very, very deep. Amen? And some may believe that it's impossible to forgive that unfaithful spouse. It's impossible to forgive those abusive parents. Some feel they cannot forgive what was done to their child. And others struggle and say, how can I forgive that person when they told all those horrible lies about me? And the list of reasons and the list of offenses is really endless. There are child abusers. There are rapists. There are murderers out there. There are also those cruel and unloving relatives, or even those former friends that are now our enemies. How can forgiveness even be an option? when we've been hurt and cut so deeply. That's what I want us to think about, and we're going to go into a pretty in-depth study. I've, I've had this study a couple years ago, and it's one of those things. Forgiveness is one of those things that you need to revisit every so often. Amen? It's something that we needed to be reminded about. So thinking of forgiveness, let's look in Gospel of Mark chapter 15. Skip down to verse 6. Now at the feast, he, talking about Pilate, was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just that he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather uh, uh, release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with, the, with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had him scourged to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and smushed it, uh, smashed it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed, and they spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, 
They took the purple off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by, to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place, uh, to the place called Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him also, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may believe. And even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to, uh, translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on his reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last breath. So the first thing I want us to consider as we dig in to this ever-important Christian truth of forgiveness is that Jesus offers complete forgiveness to all. Now, I want to start by saying, as, as a pastor for over 20 years, I've had, the, I've had to counsel some of the most dearest people over those years who have endured some of the most horrible things. From slander to infidelity, to rape. So I want to start off just by saying that I do understand what it means to be hurt. The pain is real when someone we love is hurt by another person. Amen? In fact, it's when people that we love get hurt. That's when forgiveness becomes the hardest. Amen. I can tell you from personal experience, it's much easier for me to forgive the things that others say or do to me than it is to forgive those when they hurt the ones I love. Amen. That's the hardest. Forgiveness is not easy to offer to that one that's hurt us, especially when it seems that they don't feel or even show remorse, it's hard, isn't it? You know, if they'd show just a little bit of remorse, maybe it'd be a little bit easier. But I want us to think about 
that passage we just read in Mark 15. No one gathered at the cross seemed to have any remorse, did they? None. Almost with joy, as we read here, they, they shouted, crucify him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They insulted him. They beat him. They scourged him. Now let's consider Jesus' response. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. We read what they did to him. Now let's read in Gospel of Luke chapter 23. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and they cast lots. But I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them as they do not know what they do. This needs to be our response as well. And if we really look at what Jesus said here, notice he didn't say, I forgive you, did he? Did you notice that? Jesus didn't say, I forgive you for what you did to me. Instead, Jesus asked the Father to forgive them. Do you ever wonder why? Why would Jesus pray that? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The reason is, by asking the Father to forgive them, it showed that not only had he forgiven them, not only had he relieved them from their guilt, but it also shows us that he was asking the Father not to punish them. He was asking the Father not to, to, to take revenge on them for what they did to his precious son. Do you see it now? He said, Father, forgive them. It was not a superficial prayer. This is something that Jesus prayed from his heart. This was his true desire that God the Father would forgive the very ones that beat and mocked and laughed at him and crucified him. And praise God, God granted that prayer, that request. You say, Pastor, how do we know? Look in the book of Acts chapter 2. Skip down to verse 40. And with many other words, he, talking about the apostle Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. You see, what we have to take into context here in Acts chapter 2, the apostle Paul, he delivered this sermon on the day of Pentecost. That was 50 days after Christ's resurrection. Many of those same converts, the, the 3,000, it says here, were converted. Many of those same 3,000 were among those who mocked Christ when he was crucified on the cross. This is complete forgiveness. Amen? Second point I want us to see. Not only does Jesus offer complete forgiveness, but we must offer complete forgiveness. Now the question is, how do we know that we have completely forgiven? Now I keep adding that word completely because it's important. 
in our flesh, our human nature, a lot of times we say that we have forgiven someone, don't we? But deep down inside, we really haven't. So how do we define complete forgiveness? Well, complete forgiveness is when we sincerely call upon the Lord, just as Christ did, when we sincerely call upon the Lord to let those who have hurt us off the hook. Amen? That's complete forgiveness. When we call upon the Lord and we ask God to let that person that hurt us completely off the hook. We need to hear that loud and clear. Amen? We need to understand exactly what that means. We are to ask God to set them free as if they had never done anything to us in the first place. We following? That's complete forgiveness. Say, Pastor, how is that even possible? Amen? I understand sometimes. It's hard. How is that even possible? Well, first and foremost, it's possible because we have to admit. We have to acknowledge the many sins that our Lord has forgiven us of and set us free from. Amen? How many sins have we committed against our precious Lord, and yet we've asked for forgiveness, and he has wiped our slate completely clean as if we never sinned in the first place? Amen? How would we feel if instead God continued to hold those sins over our heads every day? How would we feel? pretty horrible. We'd never be able to have the peace of Christ. We'd never be able to have the comfort that Christ offers. What if he held grudges against us? What if he went behind our backs and told everybody all the sins, all those secret sins that we did? How would we feel? Let me dig a little bit deeper. Not only are we to sincerely ask God to forgive them, but Jesus takes it to another level. Look at Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, not only are we to ask God to forgive them, but we are also to ask him to bless them, to prosper them. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in verse 43, Matthew 5, 43, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Do you see it? Not only are we to ask God to forgive them, but we're also to ask God to bless them and prosper them. When we do these things exactly as Jesus has outlined, exactly as Jesus has intended it, that is when we will be set free. Amen? We can never be set free from that bondage, that grudges hold upon us, when we hold in that anger, 
that, that weight of all that anger and all those grudges, we can never be set free until we set that other person free. Amen? It's only until we completely forgive that we are set free. To pray for that one that hurt us means to pray that God will not only forgive them, but also bless them. We are to pray that God's favor will be upon them, that he will bless them instead of punish them. Amen? It's not easy. Simply put, we are to pray that God will deal with them the same way that we want God to deal with us. And how do we want God to deal with us? We want him to forgive us and wipe our slate clean. Amen? See, we're to apply the golden rule when we pray. The golden rule Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, that's what we are to do to them. You think, boy, that's a, that's a far cry from our normal prayer, isn't it? Normally, we'd pray, Lord, smite them for what they did to me. Amen? Smite them for what they did to my child or, or to my son or my daughter or to my spouse. Isn't that our normal response? Get them, God. But that's not what Jesus said. Let me take it a little bit further. We shouldn't even pray, Lord, I turn them over to you. Isn't that a good, safe prayer? Right? That hides our, uh, our want for revenge. We don't come right out and say it. But we, don't, we shouldn't even pray that. That's a cop-out, isn't it? All that is is a cop-out. It's a cover-up for really wanting revenge, and, and we're just trying to be polite about it. Lord, I, I turn them over to you, but deep down inside, I want you to smite them. But we must pray that they receive the same complete forgiveness that we want for ourselves. Amen? Pray that they get the same complete forgiveness that we want for ourselves. This is the very heart of the gospel when you get down to it. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That is the gospel message, isn't it? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Why? Because our sins against God separated us from God. It was Christ that had to reconcile us back to God. How? Through the forgiveness that comes through the cross of Christ. Amen? Forgiveness. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
A while back, I was doing some reading about a Christian missionary who had once been a, a devout Muslim. His testimony was just absolutely incredible. He shared how he had been led to the Lord by some British soldiers when he was stationed in Madagascar. Someone asked him, he said, how did, how did they win you over? What did they say to get you to turn from Islam to Christ? You know what his reply was? He said it wasn't what they said, it was who they were. Did you catch that? It wasn't what they said, it was who they were. And they were Christians. The light of Jesus Christ shined through their lives, shined through their words every single day. And I hope and pray that that challenges your heart as much as it did mine. We don't draw people to Christ with very fancy words or, you know, impression, uh, impressive arguments. Their spiritual eyes are opened when they hear, and I'm not talking about physically here, it's when they hear God's word in how we live. Amen? When they see Christ in us, it's when they see a truly changed life, a life that shines that light of Christ. That's when the eyes of the unsaved are opened. It wasn't the words that those Christians spoke. It was how they lived, how they treated that man, how they treated others. You see, it's a God thing. Amen. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's a God thing. Third thing I want us to see this morning is I want us to consider why we are to offer complete forgiveness. What is, what is our motive to forgive? And the true answer will come really as a surprise to most. The majority of us, and I mean vast majority, the majority of us, we forgive out of self-interest. Right? Be honest with ourselves. We forgive out of self-interest. And the... Funny thing is, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves, doesn't he? That's why he gives us Matthew 7, 1. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, judge not that you are not judged. So what is the motive for us not to judge? So that we are not judged, right? And that is truly the heart of the motive of, of most of our forgiveness. We forgive simply because we want God to forgive us. Self-interest, self-preservation. Amen? Jesus specifically worded Matthew 7, 1 this way to appeal to that self-interest of ours. Amen? Again, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He understands that we will be encouraged not to judge others in order to keep ourselves from being judged as well. Amen? Listen, if our heart, if our true heart's desire is to draw closer to Christ and to receive his blessings, 
And Jesus tells us that that closeness and those blessings that we want in our lives will come in proportion with which we forgive others. Then what what are we going to do? We're going to be much more motivated to forgive that one that hurt us, wouldn't we? If our true heart's desire is to draw closer to Christ and be blessed, and Jesus tells us that closeness and those blessings will be in proportion to how we forgive each other, then we're going to be motivated to forgive. Amen? Jesus understands our selfish nature. And if we want to receive forgiveness and blessings, then we have to offer complete forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Amen? Bottom line is if we want to see our church blessed, if we want to see a revival right here in our community, if we want to see lives changed through the ministries and the outreaches that we do in this church, then we must completely forgive. Plain and simple. We need to pray that God will let them off the hook. That God will completely forgive them. And not only that, but also bless them and prosper them. That's complete forgiveness. So that's our motive to forgive. So I want us to consider the mandate. We have a mandate to forgive, and we see that in Colossians chapter 3. Skip down to verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, we are to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Underline that in your Bible. (laughs) Do you see that? We are to bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Do we all see that mandate that God gives us? We are to offer up, we are to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. We have to bear with one another. Why? Because we all have our shortcomings. Amen? None of us are perfect. Just don't tell my wife that. She doesn't know yet. But none of us are perfect. We have to bear with one another, forgiving one another. And look what he said. If anyone has a complaint against another, guess what? We have to forgive. Even as Christ forgave us. How does Jesus forgive us? He forgives us unconditionally. Our sins, which are many, will never, ever be held against us. He will never, ever throw them back in our face, will he? And guess what else? No one else will ever know what we did either. That's not our human nature, is it? 
What's the first thing that we want to do as soon as someone hurts us? We want to go find someone and get them on our side. We want to tell them what that other person did to us. Psalm 103, the 103rd Psalm, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our sins, our transgressions from us. Now, which way is east? Say it's that way. Where's west? The complete opposite direction, right? As far as the east is from the west, in complete opposite directions, God has cast our sins. He has removed our sins from us. And since this is how God forgives our sins, then this is how we should forgive other sins. Amen? That means we can't hold others responsible for what they have done to us. We have to release them from that hurt. Just as we want God to release us when we sin and ask for forgiveness. And we can't tell anyone else. Amen? Not even our closest friends. We shouldn't gossip behind that person's back. Even though they hurt us and they hurt us deeply. We're not to go even to our closest friends and tell them what they did. What if God told our closest friends? What if God went and told our family all the horrible things that we've done? All those secret sins that we thought no one else knew about? How would we feel? Amen? You see, if we, if we tell others... All we're doing is being malicious, right? Isn't that our intent? Let's be honest. When someone hurts us, when we go tell others, our intent is to be malicious. What's our motive? We want to try to hurt that other person back. We want to try to make them look in a bad light. We want to spear their name. We, we want them to look bad for what they did to us. We want people to, to be on our side. We want, plain and simple, we just want revenge, don't we? That's our human nature. That's our flesh. We just want revenge. My mind goes back to, to young David in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25. When David was, was young and, and God was still preparing him to be king, David was ready to take vengeance on a man named Nabal. But God interceded, God intervened, and he sent Abigail, Nabal's wife, unto David. Listen in, in 1 Samuel 25, verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you. Because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hands. You hear what he's saying? He said, you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives who has kept me back from hurting you, 
Unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. Now, with that being said, I want to just put something else out there. If your pain is so deep, and it's impossible to contain, and you have to tell another person, you know, I understand there is some deep pain out there. We're to tell only one. Amen? And make sure that person is a very mature Christian that you know they will not repeat to. Amen? They're not going to tell someone else what you confided in them. Now let me clarify something else here. There is also a time when we should speak to others about that hurt. Now, this deals with incidents such as rape or child abuse, amen, or some other harmful crime. Those incidents, we have to understand, they have to be reported to the authorities, amen. If there is a horrific crime involved, we have an obligation at that point to report what happened to the authorities. You see, we can forgive and report it to the authorities at the same time. They're not connected. We understand that? This is important for us to understand in these situations. Forgiveness never means that we are to close our eyes, that that we're to ignore those who may continue to hurt others. Those people need to be taken off the streets so that they cannot harm someone else. Amen? We understand that? This is something totally different from somebody hurting us in a way that's not necessarily a crime. But once it crosses that line, again, like rape or or child abuse, those horrific crimes, we have an obligation to have them taken off the street so that they don't hurt someone else. Amen? I want to note something here. There is a distinct line between a desire to see a predator put in jail because they are a danger to others, that is different from the desire to see them put in jail because of what they did to us or to someone that we love. Does everyone see that difference? One is out of revenge, and the other is doing our civic duty. Amen? The desire to see them taken off the street, put in jail so that they can't hurt someone else is different from our desire to see them put in jail because of what they did. You see, that's one in vengeance. That's one in revenge. Amen? You see, that victim of that horrible crime, we understand that they have to be a witness in the courtroom, which means they have to share what was done. While at the same time, forgiving that offender. I understand this is deep. This is extremely deep. But this is exactly what God intends for us. It's not an easy thing to do, amen? And I'll be the first to admit that I struggle with it. I struggle with it just like you do. Especially when someone hurts my family. 
That's the hardest. My flesh, just like yours. First thing we want is what? Revenge. But that's when we have to listen to God's small voice. Amen? That's when we have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that voice whispers and tells us, vengeance is God's. Amen? Vengeance is of the Lord. It's not ours to give. Amen? It's hard, but it's completely necessary. And I want to close today's message with this truth. Complete forgiveness does not mean that we have to. It doesn't mean that we even want to spend any time whatsoever with that person that we are forgiving. Amen? That's not what forgiveness says. Forgiveness doesn't say you have to forgive that person and have them over for Christmas dinner. It's not what it says. If you've been hurt by a predator, you don't even have to have the desire to ever see that person again to forgive them. Amen? That's not what it means. To completely forgive someone means that we release the bitterness that was in our heart concerning what they had done to us. Amen? It's a release. And that's for our own benefit. Amen? I want to end with you understanding Forgiveness is always for our own benefit. Do we understand that? When Jesus forgives, it's for whose benefit? For our own benefit, amen? And when we forgive, that's for our own benefit because that's the only way that we can ever be set free, amen? Forgiveness is always for our benefit, it's to set us free. That's what complete forgiveness does. Amen.